Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 74, listener supported. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight are Matt. Hey, what's up, everybody? And Tom. How you doing? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. So first and foremost, I'd like to apologize for my audio last week. It was by far the worst of this podcast's history. Um, I was out of town and trying to podcast with my Beats headphones in a hotel. So I apologize to the listeners, but thanks for sticking with us. So tonight we are back to answering your questions. Had a lot of questions since we've done the last listener-supported episode, so we're going to try to knock as many as we can out tonight. Before we get into that, got some exciting news this week. I was waiting on my cue for let's go to Tom with the news, but whatever, here we are. Sorry I was eating a slice of pizza. Anywho, we do have some really exciting news. I'll try and save that for last because that's probably where we're gonna, we're, 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 we are going to spend the most time. So let's start in Epcot. Construction has started on the Play Pavilion interior. As we've reported on a previous podcast, Disney is changing the Wonders of Life, billion, uh, Wonders of Life building rather into a Play Pavilion at Epcot. It'll feature a number of immersive character experiences, and the project was confirmed, like I said, a few few weeks back, uh, but Disney's already gotten to work on it. This is a big part of kind of Epcot's transformation, and, and we're not totally sure what's going to be included, but it we are excited to report that construction has begun. Staying in Epcot, uh, as we mentioned, the story of Coco uh, was something that was going to be presented uh, during the Flower and Garden Festival kickoff. And it's been so popular that Disney has decided to tweak times that they're doing it now. Uh, looks like Disney's going to switch up the schedule over the next few days and try and spread guests out more and make uh, the, the area a little bit easier to navigate during the show. Uh, it, it, obviously, Coco was a massively successful film, and so Disney's going to do all they can to continue to have this show take place as well as leave the area open for passing. I read that it was wall-to-wall packed. Uh, for, for most folks who came by the show when it was going on. Moving over to Magic Kingdom, Aunt Polly's now open for a limited time at Tom Sawyer's Island. So if you were a kid in the 90s, you know exactly what Aunt Polly's is and where it's at on Tom Sawyer's Island. It, it's definitely considered a hidden gem at the Magic Kingdom. And it looks like uh, the quick service dining location will be open beginning this week, actually. You know, you can stop by for lunch from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. You have to stop by quickly, though, as the restaurant will only be serving lunch the week until March 16th. So once this once this episode airs, uh, you're going to have four days to uh, check it out. The menu items will include barbecue sliders, peanut butter sandwiches, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, ice cream, and slushes. So only a few menu items there, which is typical for that area. I think Disney may be gauging guest interest here. If they're packed and people want more, Disney will continue to open this location. But Tom Sawyer's Island is not visited like it used to be. So I'm not quite sure how much of a draw this will be. I wonder if there's anything that they could do to do more like technology in Tom Sawyer's Island, like maybe a like a scavenger hunt or something that includes technology. Because right now, I think that's the thing that's missing. There's nothing to 
gravitate people there. And now in the age of technology that we're in, you know, it's just, it almost is like a blast from the past when you go over there. Yeah. I don't know how much money they want to invest in this. I mean, they, they've got everything going in Tomorrowland right now and, and Epcot and all the other parks, Hollywood studios. But I, I agree. I mean, I, I do think Tom Sawyer Island has, has fallen by the wayside and maybe, maybe they revisit it and add some technology to it. Scavenger hunt definitely would fit the theme there. Uh, but right now, I think it's just kind of operating the way it is, and they're trying to gauge an interest if there's a lunch crowd that would want to head over that way. I'm going to skip Hollywood Studios for a second and go to kind of our resort news section. Pixar Play Zone, the experience at Disney's Contemporary Resort, will, will end at the end of this month. We've hit on this in the past. The Pixar Play Zone was obviously generated for children, and they had Pixar characters. You had character meet and greets. You could spend quite a bit of time there. They had some add-on experiences that you could you could pay to meet some characters. But it looks like this will end March 30th of 2019, and it will now be replaced with a Captain Hook's Pirate Crew adventure. This experience will include an Escape the Room experience. So I kind of think of escape rooms, what you'd find outside of Disney World. It will also include dinner with it. Uh, the new experience is $55 per child uh, and ages 4 to 12. So this is something that Contemporary is doing on their own. Your children would, would you know, go to the experience. They'd have dinner included, and it's 55 bucks a kid. They, they would certainly have the opportunity to meet some characters as well. Not sure if this is going to be a massive hit or not. I, I, I don't have a gauge on how well the Pixar Play Zone did, but uh, it is nice to see Disney constantly adding different features at the resorts. But moving over to the biggest piece of news we have, obviously, if, if you follow our podcast, you probably followed that Disney World's um, announced dates for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at both Disneyland and Disney World. As we've mentioned in the past, we're a Disney World podcast, so we're going to focus on the opening date for Walt Disney World, which is August 29th of 2019, which is, I guess, way ahead of schedule, right? Because we, we felt like when Disney said, uh, you know, their initial announcement it was a fall, right? Fall of 2019. That they said August seems a little sooner than that, uh, but this is going to be incredible. I, I, again, we're not a spoiler podcast, so I have heard and, and read articles of folks who have actually walked through Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. Obviously, they're going to mirror each other. This is going to be incredible. Disney's confirmed that not only Millennium Falcon uh, Smuggler's Run attraction will be open, but also the Rise of Resistance will be, will be opening later this year as well. The one, the one, I guess, issue is Disney did also mention that FastPass Plus reservations would not be available for this new land when it opens. My opinion, and, I, and I'm going I'm to swing it around to the guys, is this is not necessarily a bad thing because FastPass Plus and FastPass reservations in general do extend the standby lines. So by doing away with that, it is a true first-come, first-serve service that Disney's offering. And we're, we're okay with that. We can bum-rush the park and do that. No, you're still going to have a wait to get into Galaxy's Edge. I mean, Disneyland is going to a reservation system to get into Galaxy's Edge. So when you book a trip to Disneyland, you will be given a reservation time, and that is the only time that you'll be able to go to Galaxy's Edge. So much like Pandora had, you know, there will be a line to get into the land, and, and it'll probably be one in, one out for a while. Look, these lines are going to be four, five, six hours long. There's nothing anybody's going to be able to do about that, regardless of if they have Fast Pass or not. Yeah, it's really exciting, and I'm really, really excited to see what Disney has is doing here, but this is going to have a huge impact on the crowd levels at Disney World. This is going to have a huge impact on the hotel availability. The parks are just going to be more crowded because of this. A lot of people have been postponing trips waiting for this day 
and now it's here. If you want to experience Disney pre-Star Wars Mania, I'd, I'd get a trip going right now. You know, this is something that we talked about on the podcast is we were saying if you want to be safe, book a trip in December. It should be open by then. I never expected Disney World to open Galaxy's Edge as a weekend before Labor Day because that that's just that's crazy talk. Such an aggressive timeline, and it just shows how how badly Disney wanted to get something going in Hollywood Studios, you know, as quickly as they have. Yeah, I mean, especially we're going to talk about it later. But there's no fast passes. There's no, you know, really anything here except for first come first serve. So I'm imagining a lot of the season ticket holders, season pass holders, will be there in full force first day. It's even a go. No, absolutely. I mean, I agree with you, but annual pass holders and, and locals will for sure be flooding the parks for this. And then, as we've mentioned, you're going to get a crowd that has never been a quote-unquote Disney crowd because you're going to get the true Star Wars lovers that would uh, want, want to visit this area as well. But that's all I had for the news. Uh, Pete or Matt, if you have anything else to share, please do not hesitate. But that is it for me with the news. So the only other thing that I have that I get really excited when I saw, and so the Yorkshire Fish Shop or Fish Window or whatever it is, it's, at the, it's attached to the side of Rosen Crown in the United Kingdom at Epcot. I mean, really all you can get there right now is fish and chips. They are starting to offer a chicken and mushroom pie. So kind of excited about that. Next, next time I'm there, I'm going to definitely give it, a, give it a whirl. If nothing else, we'll pause for just a minute to hear from our sponsor. So your family is coming to Orlando. And the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. All right, well, let's go ahead and get right into some of these uh, questions that you guys have been sending in. We've got a lot. I don't know if we'll get to all of them, but uh, we're certainly going to try. And I think this first question is really appropriate. We heard that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is opening soon at Disneyland and Disney World. Are there going to be any major differences between the two? Do we need to plan two trips to try to see them both? No. I mean, they're pretty much going to be identical. There are certainly going to be some spatial maybe differences but as far as uh, as far as we know the the rides are going to be the same the shops are going to be pretty much the same i don't i'm sure there'll be some merchandise that may be specific to to the parks but i think the majority of it's going to be galaxy's edge specific but yeah the experiences that you're going to have the the food the drinks all that is going to be identical at each park so it really depends on what's closer to you where uh, where you want to go so the only, like once I saw this question, the only thing that popped in my head, do you think one's going to be less crowded than the other? 
Because that's the only re- only reason or rationale I could have for going to one over the other. No, I would I would say they're both going to be pretty catastrophic. Although I will say Disneyland is probably going to be worse than Disney World simply because Disney World does have three other parks. And so, you know, you're talking about a pretty big piece of Disneyland that's tied up now in Galaxy's Edge and and so if people are in Disneyland, it's it's you know, it's there's going to be overflow from Galaxy's Edge whereas it's just going to be in Hollywood Studios at at Disney World. Now, overall crowd levels are certainly going to be up. But I think Disneyland's going to be worse. And that's one of the things that I would, you talk about overall crowd levels. And I was going to ask Tom for his opinion on this because I know both of you, you know, you look at Disney World pretty frequently throughout the week and just, you know, what's crowded, what's not. Would this be the perfect time to plan a trip to Disney World during those summer months where perhaps maybe you could take advantage of, you know, early access to the parks, late night hours, you know, go to Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Magic Kingdom and completely avoid Hollywood Studios and, you know, find like a, a, not you're not going to have a huge drop off in attendance, but maybe a little bit in each of those parks. I think this is going to be a perfect storm, right? Yeah, I mean it has to be. I mean it's Labor Day weekend. It's like last hurrah before school starts, and it's already crowded. I'm just wondering, you know, Tom, when you were at, when you were at Pandora, did you feel like the other parks took a back seat to Pandora, or do you think that it was just pretty much status quo? I mean, I went during park opening at every other park. And at the most dead portion of the year. So, I don't know. I mean, Pandora definitely was more busy, but it's not going to compare to, to Galaxy's Edge at all. So, we're not going to find an advantage in going to the parks that are not Galaxy's Edge during this time period, we don't think. I mean, they'll be less crowded than Hollywood Studios, I think. But, no, I, Disney World is just going to be that much more crowded. Look, you've got summer. Summer's going to be busy, right? You've got people that are putting off trips for Galaxy's Edge, but you still have all these people that are coming whose kids are out of school, who are, who are just planning a summer vacation. So you've got that. That's going to lead right into Galaxy's Edge. That's going to carry you right through Christmas. And, and I think Galaxy's Edge carries January, February, March. I mean, I, I think it carries into next summer, the popularity of it. So I think the parks are going to be packed from here here on out until something drastic happens. Anyway, we've kind of gotten way off topic here. So no no fundamental differences between the two uh, the two lands. All right, so um, this is one that I actually had a coworker who listens to our podcast bring up to me. Um, you know, you and Tom talked about in our recent podcast that from now on to the end of time, you're probably going to try and fit in a character breakfast every day you're in the parks just to get into the parks early. And, you know, he just said, like, how do I do that? Like, do I just tell them that I have a character breakfast and I just walk past the line? Is there a special place that I go into the park? You know, maybe just explain how you make this work and your recommendations for people doing it. Yeah, I mean, there's a sign that just says dining reservations here. They scan your magic band and they send you on into the park. So it's it's pretty it's pretty uncomplicated. Like you don't have to be a Disney insider or a Disney you know regular to figure this out. Like anyone can do it. You know, they'll just find a cast member because they will ask you if, to for your last name maybe if they can't find the reservation. That actually happened on our trip. I think the reservation was under Pete's name. So once Pete gave his name and they had the exact, you know, correct number of people there, it was fine. The reason we're saying that our strategy is doing this now is because it does get you into the park early. And we're not going to it necessarily for the characters. We're going for it for the efficiency. So we get we try to grab the earliest reservation possible. We go to the front gate. 
as early as possible. We try to sit down as early as possible. Uh, it's all about getting into the park early and getting out of breakfast so you can enjoy the park. But as far as the, the, func- the, the functionality of actually executing the plan, you make the reservation like you would make any other reservation on the app. Just go, if you don't see a sign that says dining reservations here, find the nearest cast member, tell them, hey, I have a breakfast reservation at X time. How do I enter the park? And if they don't let you in themselves, they will take you to the person that will scan you in. So it's it's quite simple, actually. All right, so let's say that, and this is the follow-up question I got to this. Let's say I have an, an 8 a.m. you know breakfast reservation. The park opens at 9 a.m. that day. You know, What's the proper time to get to my restaurant to make sure that I'm not like leapfrogged over or you know that I'm going to be seated when I'm planning to be seated? Should they get there 30 minutes early, 15 minutes early? They'll, they'll let you in when they let you in. I mean, it's... You know, I would I would plan on being there five to ten minutes before your reservation, but you know, we had a we had a what nine a.m. reservation. The park opened at ten a.m. or other way eight 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 thirty and open at nine, something like that. Something like that. We were we were an hour before park opened, and we got there about ten minutes before our reservation, and they and they let us right in. But I sat there and waited for Tom and and the couple guys he was with for fifteen minutes, and they weren't letting anybody in until you know, about 10 minutes before reservation started. So, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. There's so few reservations first thing in the uh, in the morning that you're not going to, even if you get leapfrogged over, there's only 20 reservations. So you're going to get seated. They're not double booking reservations. Um, I mean, that's really good information. Is there any benefit in making a reservation and not going to it or canceling it right before getting to the park and waiting by your favorite ride? If you want to pay to cancel a reservation. And yeah. they just, I mean, and they just good, sit yeah. where they won't let you on the attraction. Yeah, I, I don't advise that, but. Moving to our next question, can I do Disney without downloading and using the My Disney Experience app? It seems like a lot to manage, and I'm not that tech savvy. <laughs> no. So, hold on. So, I mean, yes, but no. You you should not go down this route. You're not going to have a good time. I would I would take the time to learn it because you're just you're going to have a bad time if you don't. I don't I don't know that we need to get any more in depth than that. No, you the can't. The only thing I would add to that is there are there are dedicated Disney employees that that will help you navigate the app but but Pete is exactly correct. No. Do not try doing Disney without Disney app. I, I know that sounds harsh, but we're we're trying to give you the best advice possible. I I, I second that, I third that, I fourth that. Yeah, you need to get this my Disney app. All right, so the next one we have here, we have two boys. One is kind of skirting the line being for being tall enough to ride all the rides. Is Disney strict about their height limit? Should we wait a year until taking our family? Our trip isn't booked yet, but we're just worried he'll be caught in the middle of doing all the rides his brother can do, but he can't. Is Disney strict about their height limit? Should we wait a year until taking our family? We haven't booked a trip yet, but we're just worried that he'll be caught in the middle of watching his brother do all the rides he can't do. Um, Then he also follows this up. Is there a minimum age limit for our kids to be able to go to the parks by themselves? To, to, I guess, answer the end of the question first, technically anything under the age of 14, you should not go to the park by yourself. No, I mean that's the that's the rule. Is according to Disney, kids under fourteen have to be accompanied by an adult. I've never nec- I've never but, seen it enforced. No, I've I mean my brothers and I were I think I was the only one over fourteen. Nobody said nobody said anything to us. But to to I guess address the rest of the question, yes, Disney's extremely strict about their height limits and that's for a reason. There's safety involved in this and Disney certainly is not gonna take a risk, even if the parent says, Oh, you know, Billy's just one inch short. He he should be able to ride this. Their height their height limits in place for a reason. I don't know that I'd necessarily recommend you waiting a year until you take your family. There are plenty of attractions at Disney World to appease all height limits at, at the parks. 
So maybe you have one son that can ride five or six more attractions. I don't know that that's enough for me to totally halt the trip. Now, I don't have kids, so that's something you would have to decide. Aside from just the, the rides and the attractions, there's a lot to do in Disney that requires no height minimum, no height maximum. You can do a lot of a lot of things in the park without, you know, stretching the ride height requirement, you know, too much. But I will say, like, please don't be the person that, you know, somehow hid their kid through the entire line and all of a sudden you're gonna throw a timber tantrum when the cast member says, you know, sorry, but your child's not tall enough to ride this ride. That disrupts literally everything. Everyone that waited in line behind you, everyone trying to go on the ride with you, and the cast members as well, like they don't want to have that conversation with you. You know, be an adult, be mature and say, hey, you know, my kid can't ride this, so maybe I can't ride this. Does that make sense to you guys? That makes perfect sense. Actually, you said it you said it really well. All right, so the next question, we bought seven-day tickets, but we're only going to be able to use six of them on our trip. Can we save these for use later on? Unfortunately, no, you cannot. You only get 14 days from the time you start using these tickets, and they expire. Disney used to offer a no-expiration option, but they haven't offered it in several uh, several years, So, and, and you can't transfer it either. So, unfortunately, it's just going to have to go to waste. Now, luckily, you didn't pay a whole lot for it if you're buying seven-day tickets. I think it was only an extra $30 or so, $25. So, not that big of a deal, but, uh, hey, maybe plan a little bit better next time. So, our next question is, what is the best or most underappreciated ride at Walt Disney World? I'll I'll let, again, this is going to be a very opinion-based answer. Uh, so, it may not necessarily fit your personality, but I'll let the guys... Uh, take a stab at it, and uh, we'll, we'll give you our favorite and most underappreciated ride at Walt Disney World. I saw this question pop up, and I didn't know what I was going to say because longtime listeners know I'm a huge fan of Mickey Philhar Magic. But on that note, I, I don't know if I'd say it's the best underappreciated ride. I know it is in this podcast. You guys don't love it. I think I'm going to go Big Thunder. I just think that Big Thunder is something that's get underappreciated. It's not like a to-do roller coaster. But if you go to Disney World and you don't do Big Thunder, I think you, you made a mistake. Hall of Presidents. That's all I got to say. Oh, yikes. Oh, man. You guys have had two terrible picks. I'm going to go Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. Uh, there, there's, not very, there's not often more than a 20-minute wait for this, which is roughly one show. This show is hysterical, and it is different every time, so... That's going to be my most underappreciated attraction or ride at Walt Disney World. So when you went to Tomorrowland, I actually had another thought. Maybe the Tomorrowland Transit Authority. No one ever is like, I can't wait to ride this ride. I don't know. That's gotten really popular. There's a lot of people who like that attraction now. That one's kind of slid up to the forefront of things we should do. So I'm not, I'm, I'm behind the hipster craze. You're, you're behind, you're behind the times right now. Man, but, I thought I was being very hipster with that answer. Moving to our next question, where can I smoke at Disney World? Uh, and I'm pretty sure that this includes like vaping too, right? I don't think they allow you to do this. So Disney has designated smoking areas. They're marked on the maps and, and that's really the only place you can smoke. Don't try to do it in the bathroom. Don't try to hide because they'll catch you and they'll, they'll ask you to put it out. Certainly don't try to smoke in your hotel rooms, on the balconies, anything like that. Frowned upon. Yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much it. There's designated smoking areas. They D- Disney is certainly not a smoke-friendly park, so don't just do it anywhere. But find the designated areas. You will have no issues at all. Uh, you will uh, not run into any cast members or Disney employees that have an issue with you. But moving to the next question, lines in Pandora have been super long. Is this Pete writing this in from his last trip? Uh, we're planning on going to Walt Disney World soon, but we are going to skip Animal Kingdom. Is there anything 
else besides the rides in Pandora that we're skipping, basically? And is it worth the stand in the uh, standby line? So being that I've done this a couple times at Pandora, the lines are super long because they're the best to attract. Well, hold on. There's the best attraction at Disney World there. There happens to be a secondary attraction that people just float over to when Flight of Passage line is extremely long. I don't know. I mean, I would probably, at this point in time, I would skip Hollywood Studios over Animal Kingdom. I don't know exactly when you guys are planning to go. There's plenty to do in Animal Kingdom other than, you know, Flight of Passage and I guess Navi River Journey. Wow, I cannot speak tonight. But I I wouldn't even have Navi River Journey as a must-do. So I would skip Hollywood Studios unless you're going after August 29th. Then you then you have a decision to make. I think you have to ask yourself a question of why am I going to Disney World? Because Tom went recently with some friends and they just completely skipped Pandora. And for me, I couldn't skip Pandora and I couldn't skip Galaxy's Edge if they were there. I would skip every other park and say, this is my one time to do this while it's still fresh, while it's still new. So I think you have to ask yourself, what what are you trying to get out of your Disney trip? If you're trying to get out of the Disney trip, you know, the latest, the greatest, I don't care how, how long the line is. I'm experiencing all of this at least once. And hopefully I can do that in two days. But if I can't, you know, I'm not going to Magic Kingdom the next day. And it goes against everything I've always said where if you have, you can't go to Disney World and not go to Magic Kingdom. But these rides, this land, these attractions are just too much for me to pass up. What do you think, Pete? Well, I mean, to answer the question, no, there's really nothing else besides the rides in Pandora. But that's not exactly true. The the Pandora is an experience. You know, if you're looking for some other cool things to do, there's you're you're not going to find it. Being in the land is cool. Yes, being in the land at night is cool. There's a restaurant. There's some shops. It's it's a case where the entire land is greater than the sum of its parts. So if you're looking for like, yeah, you can go and spend four and a half five hours in Pandora and go wait in this line and and ride this ride, you're not going to find that. So I think I misinterpreted the question. I was at, I was assuming they were asking, is there anything else besides the rides in Pandora to do in Animal Kingdom? Which you would agree there is. But as far as Pandora... In Animal Kingdom, yes. Satuli Canteen is the only other thing you need to do there, and it's going to be the best quick service you have. So just want to make sure, as far as Animal Kingdom goes, there's a ton, there's a ton to do. Uh, there's plenty to do in that park. I would go to Animal Kingdom as a park over Hollywood Studios. But if we're talking just specific to Pandora, it's pretty much the attractions... Satili Canteen, and then the the land of Pandora at both day and night. It's very different. Just to, to, I guess, clean up my answer there. So, yeah, Tom, I completely agree with you. The next question is, how do I know what rides are going to be refurbished when we go? I heard you guys miss out on Peter Pan. So all the refurbishments are listed on the Disney website. If you go to the park calendar that lists the open and close times of all the parks, there's a section that shows refurbishments. And there are a lot of Disney websites that track this also. You can also, if you're at the parks, you can get a times guide and it's on the times guide what attractions are closed. You know, unfortunately, this is a, this is a fact that sometimes rides are going to be closed, particularly if you try to go during the slower times, that's when Disney has a lot of downtime. And, you know, if it's a, if it's an attraction that's closed, it's going to ruin your trip. Recommend moving your trip because there's really not a whole lot you can do about it. And Disney does tend to extend maintenance. So if if you're planning a trip towards the end of a of a refurbishment or maintenance period, just know that it can get extended and it often does. You know, and another thing that you'll see with refurbishment 
refurbishments ongoing at Disney World, when you go to make your fast passes 60 days out or 30 days out, you will see the attraction being closed for the date you're looking for. If you see it that far in advance, there's a really, really good chance that it's being refurbished because even if it were to be closed the day that you're actually looking for 30 days in advance, they wouldn't show it closed then. So you you would have a few indicators, but in general, the uh, park hours calendar and the Disney website would be your best best place to go to find the attractions that are under refurbishment. Staying with uh, our next question here, and this is something that I, I feel like we're experts in now, Pete, because we've, we've stayed in a lot of different places, but should we stay at a Disney Springs area hotel or go further out? I guess this, this uh, person that wrote in believes the Disney Springs area hotels are more expensive. So I would never consider going further out because you're missing the opportunity in most cases on your extended fast pass window. I do understand that the hotels are a bit more expensive in the Disney Springs area and then as you move closer to the Walt Disney World Resort, but to me, that price of admission is worth it because you are able to secure fast passes and book your vacation to best cater what you're looking for. But I can't speak for you and, and, and what you'd like to do with your vacation. So if you're not comfortable spending what it costs at the Disney Springs area hotels, then certainly go further out. But just I want you to I want to make sure that you understand you're paying for an extended fast pass window. There are bus systems at those hotels that will take you to the parks. And you are literally right next to Disney Springs. So you're paying for some added benefits there. And and just like a little bit past what Tom's talking about right here. I've I've actually weighed this, you know, thought process in my head before, and I don't think I would go to Disney World without staying on a Disney property resort. Uh, I just think that the value in staying Disney property is so much more than staying off property between driving into the parks, finding parking. I understand like all the resorts have a parking fee that you pay daily. But for me, unless I'm having an impromptu trip or I just happen to be in Orlando, I'm going to try and stay in the Disney bubble. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a toss-up at this point. I think with all the benefits that have been extended to the Disney Springs hotels, yeah, you've got to drive in or Uber in, but an Uber ride is not that bad. So, in fact, I think I'd prefer an Uber ride to Disney bus sometimes. So, I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up to me at this point, but uh, but it certainly wouldn't go further out. You don't really want to drive in from an, a fur, any further out than that. And you certainly don't want to try to rely on a hotel shuttle to get you there. So next person writes in and asks, should we do a park hopper ticket on our trip? And really no, with no context other than should we do a park hopper? It's, it's a tricky question to answer. We don't know how long you're going for. We don't know what your goals are on this trip. We don't know what you really want to do. I mean, if you're there for 10 days, do you need a park hopper? I mean, maybe, maybe not. If you're there for two days, do you need a park hopper? Maybe, maybe not. So it really depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to see every park and go on every ride a lot of times, then yeah, you probably do need a park hopper. If your goal is to go to every park one time for one day, then no, you don't need a park hopper. But it's with crowds at Disney World in such a state of flux as they are, I would recommend a park hopper to anyone at this point because... There's no telling if you are going to, as I did, get stuck at a park that is more crowded than all three of the other parks and then have to go buy a park hopper to to get to the other park. So I recommend just buying it up front. So here's our next question. What do you guys think about the Skyliner? And if you're new to our podcast, Disney World is building a Skyliner that will move between a few resorts and Hollywood Studios and Epcot, right? And 
It's just, it's just another form of transportation. What do I think about it? There's no AC in it, so I have to act like I'm not excited about it. But I am. I think Disney is going to do this the right way. I've seen some videos where it looks like they're running the Skyliner at a pretty quick speed. Not sure they're going to be able to do that when it comes to actual people moving in it, especially when you have anyone that needs you know you know some assisted assistance getting in and out of the Skyliner. But in general, this is great because when Galaxy's Edge comes around, especially Disney World is going to feel an uptick in crowd control and crowd levels, and having an, an added transportation option is always, always going to be good at Disney World. So I think in one word, I would say I'm very excited for the Skyliner. And this is going to connect Pop Century, Art of Animation, Caribbean Beach, and Riviera to Hollywood Studios and Epcot. And it's expected to open fall 2019, I'm guessing, with Galaxy's Edge or slightly prior to Galaxy's Edge opening. Well, well, even past that, I think about those resorts you just named, Pete. And if you can get to Epcot from those resorts, now you're on the monorail loop. I just think that it's going to really you know, provide efficiencies for people moving around the parks. It's going to provide efficiencies and just you know, limiting how many people are on a bus, how many people are trying to you know, get themselves from one park to the other. And I, I, the one thing I do wonder is just like how comfortable will the gondolas be? They, they really need this to run to All-Star. That's where the, the bus situation is terrible. Pop Century and Art of Animation and Caribbean Beach aren't bad, but... They don't look that big from the videos and pictures we've seen, to be honest. like I didn't know how they were going to fit as many people as they are on the gondola. We'll see how it shakes out. All right. So next question is, we're going into Disney World for our trip. If we get to our hotel at 6 a.m., is there some place that we can stash our luggage until time for check-in? 100% yeah. I mean, and, and this is common to any hotel, right? Guest services will hold it for you. They'll even put it in your room. I mean, you'll, you you can go straight to your room from the park and your luggage will meet you there. So they, they definitely do this. And we found on our last trip that if you are moving from one Disney resort to another, Disney will transfer your bags for you. So they'll take them and put them in your new room for you. And, and this, I, I'm pretty sure that there's a guest services at Disney Springs too. So if you want to go to Disney Springs, I think you can even hold your luggage there. But I'm not 100% sure on that. I've never done it, but I would assume I would assume there's a way. I would assume there's a way, but I, I can't say one way or the other. Uh, moving to our next question, we did not plan super well and completely spaced on advanced dining reservations. Where do you recommend that's not quick service where we could go without a reservation? So essentially what our, what our listener is asking us is, hey, they didn't make advanced dining reservations. What sit-down dinner or lunch can they go to where it's not just, you know, your quick service Burgers, hot dogs, nachos, pizza, that kind of stuff. The list is going to be pretty small where you can walk in without a reservation. I mean, we go park by park. Magic Kingdom, Jungle Skipper Canteen is really the only one I maybe, can think of that you're going to get maybe in without Tony's a reservation. Maybe Town Square. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Epcot. Epcot, you could probably go to... There's probably a lot more restaurants in Epcot. You could go to Morocco. You could go to, to one of the Italian restaurants. You could eat at one of the Japanese restaurants. You could do China, probably. You might even could do Mexico. You could definitely do Mexico. The uh, San Angel Inn, the crappy one. <laughs> uh, you, you probably would not get into Beer Garden in Germany. You're not going to get into Coral Reef. You're not going to get into La Cellier. I mean, it... No, and you're not going to... You probably will not get into... What's the uh, Norway character one? Yeah, you're not going to get into there either. So Epcot's probably going to be your best bet. Animal Kingdom, it's hard to say. You probably won't be able to get in anywhere. Maybe Yak and Yeti. 
And then at uh, Hollywood Studios, there's really nothing. nothing. You may be able to sneak into sci-fi if you go at like 3.30. You may be able to get into a Hollywood and Vine at 3.30, but that's pretty much it. Now, you could go off property. You could go to Disney Springs. You could go to the resorts and try your luck. But the popular resort restaurants, you've got no shot pretty much. Disney Springs will be a, a, your best bet. So our next question, we are staying off-site for the first night of our trip, but then are staying on Disney property for the other five nights. Can we still make reservations 60 days out? Yes. And FastPass reservations, I guess, to clarify. Yes, you can, but they would be from the first night that you're on Disney property. So your first night off-site, so it's the first of a month, no. Not, not going to be able to make 60-day reservations. But the, you know, the second of the month, the night you're actually on Disney property, yes, you can. So, and we, we had this experience on not the last trip, but the trip before that. Yeah, we've done this and, and it worked, it worked okay. Yeah. We just went without fast passes the first day and it was okay. Yeah. I mean, still, still landed, um, you know, we, we only had a party of four. So if you have a party of, of anything greater than four, I would, I would maybe be some concern there, but you can do it. It just will not take place until the first night you're actually on Disney world property. Our next question is, can you get grocery deliveries to the Disney hotels? Welcome and the to the answer is yes. Yes, welcome to 2019. You can. And we highly recommend it. If you're flying in, especially if you're driving in, maybe you have the opportunity to stop. But if you're flying in and you want to save money on snacks, bottled water, uh, whatever it may be, there are services that you can utilize that will there's, actually. There's a major service called Amazon.com that you can utilize. That will deliver. And they do same day delivery. The same day delivery to your Disney World hotel. Uh, if you didn't catch that, Pete's a gigantic Amazon guy. So, uh, well, was, we, we use this to, when we stayed at uh, Wilderness Lodge and, you know, they delivered them, kept the groceries until uh, till our buddy went and picked them up. So, yeah, it worked out really well. All right. So next question, we are staying off site. Do we need to buy magic bands? Are they worth it? How do we do anything if we don't have magic bands? I mean, you don't have to have magic bands, right? They they certainly add to your experience and make things a little bit easier for you. But no, I mean, you don't have to buy Magic Bands. It's just another $15 a person. I think it's the cheapest one expense that you can cut out. But who doesn't want a Magic Band? I mean, so yeah, you don't have to. You, to ask how you would navigate the park without them, you would still be able to utilize the app and you would have a like a Disney park card, almost like a uh, hotel key kind of, kind of looking deal. But it does make it much easier with Magic Band. You don't have to pull it out every time. You just scan your wrist and go. Everyone else in the park has them on, so why not throw one on? But if you are trying to save some some uh, extra money, you, you don't have to buy them for your group. You can save about 15 bucks a person on the cheapest one. And if you have kids, it's probably more than that because they would want a custom magic band that maybe has Star Wars or Mickey or a princess, whatever it may be, on the, uh, on the design there. Now, if you've been before and you have old magic bands, you can certainly add those to your tickets and use the old magic bands. They will still work. I think the battery in them lasts two to three years from what I remember reading. So if you've been in the last two to three years, you can definitely use those old magic bands. You can link them to your, uh, link them to your reservation and you know, they, they act just like a new one. Now you cannot transfer magic bands. You know, if Pete had a magic band, for example, he cannot transfer it to Matt to use. Once it becomes Pete's magic band, it is Pete's magic band forever and always. That is correct. So get a magic band. I think it's I think it's definitely worth it. It adds to your experience. There's it just makes life easier. If you don't have a magic band, I don't think they can do all the fun stuff where they 
automatically link your pictures that they take on the rides to your account. There's a lot of that stuff that I think you miss out on if you don't have a Magic Band. A lot of the little fun, you know, I'm thinking the signs at the Jungle Cruise that change, Expedition Everest, the signs that change. I think you miss out on all that if you don't have Magic Bands. So they're just little extras that Disney does. So any anything else, guys? Again, we'd, we'd love to uh, keep having these episodes. You guys keep sending questions in and uh, we, will, we will certainly answer them. You know, if we don't get to them on an, on an episode, we will uh, we will answer via email or Twitter as necessary. So, Tom, let's go to the secret and trivia question. Start with the secret of the night. Uh, did you know on Discovery Island trails, you can look for a hidden shaded rock? In the rock are small holes, and through those you will see the animal carvings on the Tree of Life. Uh, so if you want an up-close and personal view... Uh, that that's one route to do it with. Moving to the trivia question from last week, and then we'll move to the trivia question of this week. If you remember, I asked you how many hidden Mickeys are in the final Christmas scene of the Carousel of Progress, and where are they located? If you guessed four hidden Mickeys, you were correct. There are four hidden Mickeys. Now, where they're located is, is a little more challenging. The first one is a plush Mickey that's peeking out from a present under the tree. Uh, the second one would be a Nutcracker Mickey on the fireplace. The third one is a Pepper uh, like a salt and pepper shaker type Mickey on the kitchen counter. And the last one is a, there's a Mickey painting on the dining room wall. We, asked, we we talked about this after we finished recording. And it was funny that we all had seen, you know, we all had like not seen one that others had seen. So Pete had seen the salt and pepper shaker. I had not. I think Matt had seen the painting on the dining room wall. Pete had not. So it's kind of funny how that worked. Moving to the trivia question of this week. And I'll admit, this one's a little dark. But in Disney World, where can you find a clock that is stopped at the exact time that Walt Disney was pronounced dead. And I can see facial expressions from the men. This is a dark one, so I'll ask it one more time. In Disney World, where can you find a clock that is stopped at the time, uh, the exact time, that Walt Disney was pronounced dead? You can tweet us at podcast or email us at mendowdw.gmail.com with your guesses. Uh, it is on, I'll, I'll say it's, my hint is it's an attraction at Walt Disney World Resort. Look forward to your guesses. And that's it for me, Pete. All right. Well, good stuff. Well, that is all we've got time for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on Twitter at Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week. <laughs>